Father, I, I just pray that as we look at this text that um, you would use me as your instrument to communicate the grace and love that you've shown to us by making yourself known to us, by calling us your sons and calling us your friend, Lord. Let us go out later and um, live in light of this. In your name, amen. So last week, if you remember John's passage, he talked about how we became sons of God. We've inherited um, this relationship with God. And this is the gospel. This is the beauty of it, is that we've come to know God. But here, Paul is reminding them, he begins off by reminding them that they didn't always know God. In verse 8, he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those things that by nature are not God's. So there was a point that they didn't know God, and it's because the Galatians were Gentile converts. They came to Christianity from a pagan background, and they worshipped idols. They worshipped things that by nature are not God's. Um, they, would, they would build a statue and um, worship it. It's kind of silly. Um, and I can imagine the comparing of idols that must have happened. One of them builds a, a three-foot stone statue, and he says, oh man, this is my God, and he starts worshiping it. Oh, it's amazing. And then his neighbor comes over, and he's like, oh, you've got a, a three-foot statue. This is amazing. He's like, yeah, that's my God. And then he says, who, who do you worship? And the neighbor says, well, <laughs> I've got a 30-foot statue. <laughs> and it's just, it's silly because it's just a stone. It, they just made this. And it's pointless. Um, but we'll see that we are guilty of the same silly and foolish thinking that we worship things that by nature are not God's. And then Paul immediately, after, after bringing this up and reminding them of their past, he reminds them also that now that you have come to know God, or rather been known by God. And this isn't a correction on Paul's part. He's not saying that um, you've come to know God, or rather, oops, I made a mistake, you na God knows you, but he's making an emphasis. He's saying um, you've come to know God, or rather, God has come to know you. He knows you, and because he knows you, you know him. It's um, this fact that we can't transcend to God. We can't reach him in heaven. He has to make himself known to us. He has to know us, and then we get to know him. And again, this is the gospel. This is what John talked about last week, being adopted as heirs and sons of God. Um, first John puts it this way. He says, uh, we, love God, we love him because he first loved us. And Paul's really saying the same thing. And it's beautiful because the gospel unites us in friendship with God. It, it gives us that, that basic need of man to know and to be known. Now, Paul asks the question, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You guys, you, you were worshiping stones before, and you know God. You've been adopted as sons. You have come to know Christ. Jesus, his spirit is in you, and you're turning back to the weak and worthless principles of the world. You're turning back to idolatry. Why are you doing this? Now we see also that the 
idolatry of the Galatians has changed a little bit. They're not worshiping a stone statue that they've made. Instead, what are they worshiping? Paul says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. Well, of course, Paul, of course we observe days and months and seasons and years. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <laughs> like, there's, it's June 2017. It's the season's summer. We observe all these things. Of course we do, Paul. But what Paul's referring to is the ceremonies of the Old Covenant. You're, you observe these festivals and these feasts, and why are you doing that? Why are you turning back to the basic principles? Why are you making an idol out of them? And although these things were good, they were given to us by God, we have this tendency, we have this bent in our human nature to make idols and to ruin good things. The, um, this reminds me of the Garden of Eden, actually, um, where the first act of idolatry is committed. There's Adam and Eve, and they're in the garden. They have fellowship with God. They're walking with God in the garden. And then they're faced with this temptation of a fruit. And that should seem silly to us. They have God walking with them, and then there's a fruit right there. And like God says, don't eat the fruit, but they want to eat the fruit even though they have God and fellowship with God, which all their satisfaction and need is found in him. So why do they do that? Why do they turn to the fruit? First John gives us a commentary on that too. He says, it's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of one's lifestyle. They, s they see the fruit and man, it looks good to eat. It, it would be tasty. But more than that, the serpent had deceived them. He had promised them that they would become like God's. And it's the pride of one's lifestyle. It's this desire to be made great. And it goes back to that basic principle. Although they had it fulfilled in God, they were trying to fulfill it themselves. This principle of wanting to be known, to be like God. And so they made an idol out of a fruit. But here the Galatians have made an idol out of the old covenant, out of the ceremonies and the ceremonies are good they've been practicing them for the last 2,000 years and um, so what's the big deal why is it an idol why is it wrong for the Judaizers to say you should do these <laughs> because Jesus came um, all these festivals all these feasts they pointed to Jesus you have the Passover lamb and you have the offering for sins and the festival of booths you have all these things and they all point to Christ and Christ came and fulfilled them. He, he was the Passover lamb. He was slaughtered. And his blood covers our hearts that God's wrath passes over them, just like the Passover lamb it was slaughtered and spread on the doorpost so the wrath of God would pass over it. And he was the offering for sin. He was killed and takes away the wrath. He was that fancy word that Nick likes to use, propitiation, right? Um... He was the propitiation for our sins. And so to observe these ceremonies, to say you have to do them in order to reach salvation, to be with God, to be made right, is to deny Jesus Christ. Um, and in doing this, just like in the Garden of Eden, our idolatry makes us enemies of God. It, it says 
I can be like God. It says I can earn my salvation. I can make myself this good. It builds ourselves up and makes our glory our primary focus and not God's glory. But it should be much the other way around. Our friendship with God should dictate our friendship with others. It should dictate our relationships with everything and how we observe the world. Now, perhaps you guys know somebody who has committed idolatry. I mean, there's yourself, right? <laughs> We've all done it. But, and in doing so, they've made themselves enemies of God. They've walked away from the church. They've separated themselves from the body of Christ. Um, this is what idolatry does. Um, I have had friends who made idols out of <laughs> almost everything, but made idols out of um, mostly sex and drugs, and they would, it led them out of the church. I can think of three friends in particular, actually. And they were my close brothers. They, I went to Bible study with them. We prayed together, we worshiped together, we served together. We confessed our sins to each other. And some of them formally walked away from the church. They said, I don't think Christianity is real. But um, others have done it more subtly and said um, that they don't believe that Christ has really saved them with their lifestyle, that Christ is not their satisfaction, that Christ doesn't give them all they need. But with the gospel, we have it the other way around. We have this relationship with God, this friendship with God, this being known by God. And in doing that, we are not made enemies of God. Instead, we're worshiping God and observing things in the right order. And all these things that are good are used for good rather than when it's idolatry that makes them evil. And when we make idols out of these things, we become legalistic. We, we think that there's a certain way that we do it, then it'll make it, um, make us earn our salvation. It'll make us earn um, our righteousness. It'll make our, us earn our satisfaction. and um, It'll build us up and we'll be satisfied apart from Christ. But the gospel of grace is not legalistic. Instead, Paul comes to them in a very different manner. He says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. See, legalism wants you to become like me, become how I think the world should be. Um, but Paul is coming to them and asking them, become like me, because I've become as you are. Galatians, I came to you living like a Gentile. I wasn't pushing the Jewish law on you. I became like you, so become like me. Why would you go back to Judaism, or not back to, why would you go to it in the first place? Don't become like them. Be free in Christ. Have unity and fellowship in Christ. Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. And Paul's not trying to have authority over them here in such a way of suppressing them. Instead, he is building them up. He wants them to be united with him. The legalists and the Judaizers, they want to hold you down. 
They want to separate you and keep you out. They want to be better than you. But Paul wants them to be with him. He wants them to have unity and fellowship and friendship in Christ. And that's the point. Paul is asking them to be with Christ, to live in light of the gospel. Now, Paul says, you did me no wrong. I have nothing against you, Galatians. Yes, you're following the Judaizers, but you've, you've done me no wrong. I, I don't have anything against you. There's no hard feelings here. In fact, it's the opposite. I love you and my heart is breaking for you because you are my children who I shared the gospel with, who we fellowshiped with, who we've served and loved God and, and praised him together. And we see that they, they understood the gospel. Next, Paul says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial for you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Paul preached the gospel to them, and they understood it. They got it. He was not coming to them in strength. He came to them in his sickness, and when the Galatians heard it, they were moved with the love of Christ. They received him in his weakness and brought him in as a friend and he brought them in as a friend too and they had fellowship in Christ because they were friends of God. They knew God. The gospel had taken root in the heart of the Galatians and the gospel of grace here united them together in friendship. But then we see that things have changed now. The, the Judaizers have had an influence on the Galatians. And Paul asks, what then has become of your blessedness? What became of the friendship that we had? What became of us serving God together and worshiping him together? What, what has become of this? What has become of your friendship with God? More importantly than your friendship with me, what has become of it? Why are you trying to earn your salvation through worshiping idols, through keeping the law. He says, for I testify that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. You knew the sacrificial love of Christ. You knew that he'd done everything and you were willing to out of the sacrifice and love that God has shown you, sacrifice yourself for me. You're willing to give your eyes for me. Much like Christ has given his body for you. You understood what has happened to your blessedness. And we see that while idolatry makes us enemies of God, the legalism makes us enemies of, well, God and the people of God. It divides us from our brothers in Christ. It divides us from those whom we can serve with. And Paul asks the question, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul's, Paul's sharing the gospel with them. Paul's saying this is the way it is. This is... This is what it looks like to be a friend of God. You knew it. You knew it once. Have I become your enemy? And Paul's not afraid to identify that they're becoming enemies if they continue to follow the Judaizers. He was certainly not afraid to call the Judaizers enemies in the beginning of the book when he says, let them be anathema, let them be separated from the body of Christ. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? But we see that the Judaizers are the real enemies here. 
Paul says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They say, good job, Galatians. You keep the law. You do the ceremonies. You're getting circumcised. Good job. But it's for no good purpose. They're building you up and making you feel good, but it's not for the glory of God. It's not for anything good. In fact, what is it for, Paul? He says um, that they make much of you for no good purpose. They want to shut you out, that you may make much of them. Their purpose and goal in building you up and making you feel good about keeping the law is so that they feel good, that they look good, that their glory is what's seen and focused on. And that's not a good purpose. It's not the glory of God. In fact, he says, they want to shut you out. What does that mean? They want to shut you out. Well, there's a couple of things we hear where they're shutting them out, right? If they are be keeping the law as an idol, then they're separating them from friendship with God. They are keeping them out of the fellowship and unity with God. And I think this is very much what the Gentiles are keeping them from as a primary thing because the Jews did not like the Gentiles. They did not like the idea of the gospel going out to um, other people because the Jews were the chosen people of God. They are the ones whom the law was given to. And the Jewish temple was built in such a way that there was a wall around it and an outer court, and it's in the outer court that the Gentiles were allowed to worship. Like, all right, if we have to put up with you Gentiles, you get the outer court, but you don't get to come in to fellowship with the people of God, with God himself. So what is this? This is the self-righteousness. This is um, the Judaizers saying that we are better and this is what legalism does. It, it measures people up. It puts them on a pecking order. It makes enemies of people. And it wants them to be kept out. And ultimately, legalism really removes you, removes the legalist from fellowship with God. Um, now, the gospel of grace is very different than legalism. It's very different than idolatry. Instead, the gospel of grace we see produces gospel friendships. Instead of separating us from the body of Christ, it builds us up together in unity. Instead of separating us from friendship with God, it builds us up together in unity, and the gospel of friendship edifies us. Now, Paul says, it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I'm present with you. So Paul, when he's with them, he makes much of them for a good purpose. The good purpose is, of course, the glory of God. He makes much of them because they believe the gospel. He makes much of them because of their faith in Christ and because of their act of love towards him. He made much of them in this passage we just read, right? He said, I testify that you would have even gouged your eyes out for me. You loved me. When I'm with you, I make much of you for a good purpose because you do the gospel, because you understand it and you believe because you glorify God. And this is, this is one of the benefits of gospel friendship, but another one is that gospel friendship is tender. Um, he calls them my little children. Here Paul is, he's attacking the enemies, right? The Judaizers, and 
yet he calls his, his friends in Galatia, my little children. And it's much like a father who sees his children in danger, and there's something threatening his child. And he runs out to the child and destroys whatever it is that's threatening it. And then he embraces his child and says, oh, my little child. Gospel friendship is tender in the same way. It's tender in the way that Christ has shown it to us. God has shown it to us. And so gospel friendship is formed by Christ. Paul says, he continues after saying, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And we see that here it is, the cure for their idolatry and the cure for their legalism is Christ being formed in them. It's, it's the same thing as knowing God or rather being known by God. This friendship with God is the cure for idolatry because if you're friends with God, then these idols, they look silly. Like we can look at the apple and say, oh, that's silly. Or fruit, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> or we can look at the stones and say, that's silly. But we have our own idols and we can say they're silly too, whatever they may be. Now, the last thing here is that gospel friendship perseveres in unity. Paul says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I'm perplexed about you. I want to be with you guys. You're becoming my enemies, but I want to be with you. I don't want to be angry with you. I don't want to be enemies with you. I want to love you. I want to share in the fellowship and grace of Christ. I want to be with you. But I'm perplexed about you. And can you see Paul's confusion? Because Christ has been formed in them once and now he's being formed in them again and that's why Paul's in the anguish of childbirth again. And they know God and have been known by God. In the previous um, section, we see that, we saw that they have the spirit that causes them to cry, Abba, Father. They have all this. They have friendship and unity with God, and yet they're committing idolatry and legalism. They're trying to work their way up to what they already have. I'm perplexed about you. But we do this, don't we? We make idols out of anything, really. It could be your car, your job, your money, your children. Um, we make idols out of things that, here at church, we can have more religious idols like the Galatians had, keeping the old religious law. The, the coffee is here every morning, or every morning, every Sunday. And if the coffee's not done right, does that ruin your day at all? Does that ruin your ability to fellowship with believers? The purpose of the coffee is to allow you to fellowship. It's to help you. But if it's not there, you should still be able to be united in the love of Christ, and you shouldn't have this bitterness in your heart to whoever's toward in charge of the coffee. I did the coffee this morning, so. <laughs> um, 
the, uh, but it's the same thing for the worship. If the worship music's not right, is, are you going to be bitter towards the people who are leading worship? Or are you going to be able to still fellowship, I mean, sorry, worship as a body? And that's the point of the worship music. You can worship anytime you want. But we come here on Sundays to worship God together in unity because our friendship that is formed around these things is really formed around the gospel. And these things are just, just things to help us along. And so in our, in our gospel friendships, as we gather as the body of Christ, our goal is to bring glory to God together. In fact, the goal of the gospel is unity with God. We aren't trying to earn our salvation in any way. Instead, we've been given it through the gospel of grace. We can't earn salvation. We, are, we know this, we've been repeating it several times, many times, but we also can't earn our satisfaction, we can't earn our joy. Our joy is in God, it's in Christ. And this unity with him is what's brought about through the gospel. And this unity with him is what allows us to glorify him and enjoy him forever. It's what allows us to truly know and to be known by God and by each other. And so, this is a good day for this sermon because we're having a taco bar afterwards. So, during the taco bar, <laughs> enjoy each other's fellowship and glorify God together. That's the purpose of us being, is to glorify God. It's the purpose of our gospel friendships. And I also want to challenge you guys. Do you have legalistic friendships or gospel friendships? See, a legalistic friendship, they, they use their friends to benefit themselves. They use their friends to fulfill that need of being known and knowing, but a gospel friendship encourages each other to be like Christ. It builds one another up with the intention of growing and glorifying God together. It's able to endure when people make mistakes. And the legalistic friendship, though, it highlights our failures. It, it says, I'm expecting this, and you're giving me this. But a gospel friendship realizes that we are not God. It realizes that Christ came to save us, right? And we were unworthy to be friends of God. And yet, despite our unworthiness, he became our friend. So a gospel friendship is very different than a legalistic one. Our friendships should be shaped by the gospel. And so if you have any friendships like that, or used to have any friendships like that that have fallen apart because of legalism or idolatry, then I just ask you to repent and to follow God, to realize that the reason your friendship falls apart is because your friendship with God is lacking in that area. That if you ever want to know if you have an idol, like look at your friendships and see are they legalistic friendships or gospel friendships? Because a gospel friendship is a sign of a believer. It's the sign of um, what we're called to be. In fact, being friends with believers is a command in Scripture. It's, it's laced throughout First John. Um, 
We are to be friends with one another as Christ is friends with us. But if you find yourself angry and bitter and at odds and enemies with the body of Christ, or with people in the body of Christ, there's undoubtedly an idol that is lying behind it. And so, I'm going to end now, and we're going to pray and then worship God as a body of Christians, giving glory to God as friends in the gospel. Father, I, I thank you for your friendship towards us, that we can be called your friend as Abraham was called your friend. I thank you that it's through faith that we are able to know you and to be known by you. Thank you for your son, Lord, who fulfilled the ceremonial laws that we can actually have this relationship with you, that we can actually know you. And thank you for showing us what friendship is, what gospel friendship is, that we can also have it with one another. Please just encourage us by this scripture and by your spirit to be reconciled and united as believers in, in Christ, believers in you. That we'd worship and glorify you together. In your name, amen.